understanding normal, in other words, average compared to optimal compared to what's actually physiologically normal is this massive difference. And it feels like mainstream medicine doesn't get it at all. It's so exciting to hear what you're doing. Welcome back to the Midwifery Wisdom Podcast. This week, our wonderful co-host Augustine meets with two incredible women, Mary Ann Marks, the founder and CEO of LabSmarts, and Sarah Russell, a functional nutritional therapy practitioner. Together, Mary Ann and Sarah have created an extensive course titled Things You Never Learned About Blood Work for Preconception, Pregnancy, and Postpartum. This week, they talk with Augustine about what led both of them to this unique and important work, how Marianne created LabSmarts, how Sarah got involved in the work, their personal experiences that have impacted this project, and of course, a plethora of information about labs for pregnancy. Let's dive into this juicy conversation. Well, welcome back to the Midwifery Wisdom Podcast. We have another amazing episode. And today I have the great pleasure of speaking to experts in the lab world, interpreting labs. So um, I don't, I don't want to say anything wrong. So why don't we just pull you right in? You can introduce yourselves. Um, You've created a whole new product. Tell us about this. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Um, yeah, so my name is Marianne Marks. I am the uh, founder and uh, creator and CEO of a, com- a software company called LabSmarts. It's a uh, uh, a blood work interpretation software. We we do it uh, from the functional or optimal perspective, where we look at ranges uh, uh, from an uh, from a also from a bio individual perspective, where we. Uh, use is the software for practitioners who look at blood work um, at a tighter set of reference ranges for different markers, and then we adjust reference ranges for, say, for in this to- in this topic here, pregnancy trimester. So in the software, you could put in values that you have on the lab report, and we adjust and use reference ranges that are specific for each uh, pregnancy trimester. And Sarah, um, she's a, a practitioner and a, and a user of the software. And we started to collaborate when I originally, a while back, I just had uh, adjustments around uh, red blood cells and hemodilution and things. And I've been working with Sarah and she's like, well, there's all these other uh, uh, blood test markers that change throughout pregnancy. And so her and I started doing this research together. And so, I, I mean, I let her introduce herself, but she's an amazing clinician who has given, uh, given, brought up really, and a researcher too, uh, as well. We're both research uh, nerds and uh, w- together we have uh, created um, the, all this research that we thought that we we should put together some sort of course to teach practitioners about all these different markers and how they change throughout pregnancy. So go ahead, Sarah. Yeah, thanks, Marianne. Um, yeah, so I have been in clinical practice for a little over 10 years now. I'm an, a functional nutritional therapy practitioner, and um, I have one of my main focus areas in my practice is preconception, pregnancy, and postpartum. And I've also created a number of CEU programs in those areas for practitioners over the years. And I'm incredibly excited about this project on uh, lab markers and how they shift during uh, pregnancy by trimester and during the lactation period as well. Um, Because 
they have proper interpretation of these lab markers has huge implications for the quality of care that that people receive during pregnancy and postpartum and lactation. So we can uh, really improve a lot of outcomes. Yeah, we can. Absolutely. I'm super passionate about this. Um, if you if you've seen my story at all, um, I, I had a very severe infection that depleted my iron levels dramatically, but I was not anemic. So no doctors would treat me. Um, and so when I did the work myself and uncovered it with the help of some other midwives, iron infusions literally saved my life. I was desatting into the eighties every day, all the time, because I didn't have enough red blood cells, but the hemoglobin hadn't dropped. And so understanding normal, in other words, average compared to optimal compared to what's actually physiologically normal is this massive difference. And it feels like mainstream medicine doesn't get it at all. It's so exciting to hear what you're doing. One area that's particularly touchy, I would say, in the midwifery maternal health world is uh, thyroid levels. I'm sure that you've touched on this a lot. T tell me in this arena, what's different about what you do and what you're teaching compared to mainstream? Yeah, so that's that's a great question, Augustine. Um, it it I mean, mainstream is a, is a little bit different from clinician to clinician. So, for example, we recently spoke with a colleague of ours who's training for the uh, Women's Health NP program at Yale, and there they have a much higher level of understanding, even though they are in the allopathic world. I am increasingly seeing more awareness in on the part of OBGYNs just in general, who are mm. following my pregnant clients regarding proper and functional ways of of uh, supplementing iron. So for mm. example, I'm increasingly seeing uh, physicians suggesting that that their patients supplement with iron every other day instead of daily. And that's actually exactly really smart. Huge difference. Yeah, because it reduces yeah, subsidence by well, um, yeah. I love that. Tell me about, about thyroid specifically, because that's one where I think a lot of midwives struggle, right? Is this person hypothyroid? Do they need to be on meds? How do we tell what stage of pregnancy, all of that? Tell me a little bit about your research there. Yeah. Marianne, do you want to talk about yeah, the numbers? I mean, so in, uh, we, we've looked at every different area we think of that, of physiology and how physiology changes throughout pregnancy. And one of those areas is around the thyroid. And uh, we're, we're going to have, we have so much information that we have a whole class just on uh, thyroid physiology and how things changed throughout pregnancy. And so in, in the, um, you know, in the optimal world, I guess, functional, or, you know, we have, like you mentioned, Augustine, that these optimal uh, uh, functional ranges, a tighter set of reference ranges that we like to look at to identify things, um, you know, imbalances before they, you know, reach outside of lab and then they become a problem. And, and TSH, our optimal range range for TSH uh, non-pregnant uh, premenopausal is about one to two. And so when we look at, and then we, so then we, we understand that um, the, uh, the HCG hormone, you know, initially in the beginning of pregnancy, you know, how that mimics, mimics TSH uh, in its structure, the, that HCG uh, attaches to the the TSH receptors on the thyroid and stimulates it really in the beginning of early pregnancy stimulates the thyroid to produce 
more thyroid hormones. So TSH it can decrease in the first trimester, you know, all the way down to 75% lower than non in non-pregnant ranges. So that's one of the markers around thyroid physiology and, and how just TSH changes. And because of that, you know, then the T the, the thyroid stimulation, the thyroid's creating more thyroid hormone, um, T4. And then, so the, also because the, uh, the liver produces more proteins throughout pregnancy, it's producing more, um, thyroxin binding globulin, the protein that attaches to the thyroid hormone. So that, that mark, that level, that marker is increased also as well, early pregnancy, trying to pick up more thyroid hormones and, and get them where they need to go. So it's it, it, in just the round ranges for TSH, they vary greatly between the American Thyroid Association, uh, even, but it, it's, uh, you know, if you look at Quest Diagnostics and we get, we look at some lab ranges there, TSH is the only marker that they list trimester reference ranges for. So there's and no other marker, even though there's every marker really changes somewhat, some more drastically than others, but TSH is one that at least is accepted and known by uh, Quest Diagnostics that those ranges for each trimester is lower. That's awesome. Yeah. And we need, we need more guidance like that, which is of course what you're doing, which is so exciting. In my research, I was really kind of disturbed to find out that laboratories can use um, references from books. They can use references from a different um you know, organizations like Heart Association, Thyroid Association, but they can also use their own reference ranges determined by their own draws in their own lab. And that the minimum number to create that reference range is only 120 people minus the outliers. And that was mind boggling to me. Right. Tell me right. more about that. That's why those reference ranges, I mean, really, usually they represent 95% of the population tested at that lab or out of that 120, they try to pick some, you know, maybe some in a study of some healthy population, but it's, you know, not healthy in terms of anything that we know of as healthy. And so those are, we say that those are the lab ranges, uh, reference ranges, normal, we call them, we call it, they sometimes get interpreted as normal, just, and it just came from that it's a normal distribution curve in statistics. And so normal is not really, you know, healthy is what we say. That's so right. in our, in our field, we try in, in the software, we have these optimal ranges and, you know, you could define optimal ranges if in, in some of the markers where you could find studies where I've found where we have, we start with a healthy uh, set of population where the, you know, I, I use a lot of different studies and, and then you could then take maybe one standard deviation from the mean if you start from with a health, healthy population and, and use that. Or we have optimal ranges that are tighter that are based on uh, mortality studies, insurance company, yeah. life insurance. They put out a lot of good studies where yeah. if your GTT is over a certain number, we're not going to give you life insurance. So right. those are we use those to determine the optimal ranges. And then again, it's another level of now we have those optimal ranges. Now let's adjust them and make sure they're appropriate in lab ranges for that right, um, the right characteristics of that person, whatever it pre-menopause, post-menopause. Uh, there's some markers that change in different ethnicities. Some markers change at higher elevations. And a lot of around the red blood cell, we adjust reference ranges for um, elevation. And then again, around different uh, pregnancy trimesters and, and date of birth and um, sex, male and female uh, have different blood markers, period, you know, no matter 
you know, what else happened. So there's so many different nuances around reference ranges. Oh so many. And that's why it's exciting to see projects like yours that are starting to ring the bell that we we can't have one size fits all. It does not work. There cannot be a reference range that comes from your lab and that's how you interpret the results. You have to dig deeper. Thank God for functional medicine, right? right. <laughs> You're bringing so much into the space. Um, tell me about the favorite part of the work that you do or your favorite discovery uh, since you've been doing this. You know, I, I love the research part the best. I guess that's not exactly true. I, I love both the research side and the clinical application side of things. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that's the whole, the, the whole point of doing research is to apply it clinically to the individuals that we serve. It's just so exciting to look at all these studies and to, and to see all the different variables and to try to suss out the, the contradictions from study to study and even just to hear different voices and put them together with what we have found in the studies and what I've seen in clinical practice. So for example, in response to one of the newsletters that, that I sent out last month, I had uh, a woman write me saying, oh, I'm pregnant and I have a TSH of 6.1, but my doctor said that the range gets wider during pregnancy. I was like, oh my gosh, that's just not really true at all. Um, so yeah, that I mean, sometimes, I mean, it's possible that clinicians are just really overworked wrong. and tired. It's wrong. And <laughs> yeah, it's wrong. wrong. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they're human, just like all of us. Yeah. We've all been wrong mm -hmm. at some point. I'm not saying this, you know, to ridicule anyone. I've seen, you know, a lot of, a lot of people write me with asking me for a second opinion on correct information that their clinician is giving them. And that makes me very excited too. Uh, mm -hmm. so, you know, for example, a woman in late pregnancy who had a, a TSH level that was high for the stage of pregnancy she was in, it would have been kind of in range, just at the top of the TSH range for non-pregnancy. And the, the clinician was very concerned about this woman's risk of hypothyroidism and possible Hashimoto's and the impact on the developing fetus and said, I really suggest that you start medication right away. And the, the person wrote me and said, do you think this is good advice? I was like, yes, absolutely. Uh, mm -hmm. So uh, all kinds of things. And, and it's, to me, it's all exciting. Um, yeah. The, the part of educating colleagues and, and really just thinking about that in, in the function of supporting as many people as possible, not only the people that we are serving directly, but anybody who reads a newsletter, a blog post, um, an Instagram post, watches one of your podcasts and just learn something that could be potentially useful for them or someone they know and love. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. And even, you, yeah. but what's, what's your, what's your favorite part? I mean, I like even the, where we touch on markers in preconception that you want to get your blood tested and look at certain markers and the ones we uncover B6 and vitamin A, those are really important to know going in um, to pregnancy. And so not just the, the adjustments that we make during pregnancy, but like going into pregnancy and running all the appropriate set of ref, uh, markers to make sure, you know, that pregnancy is set up for success. It, I mean, that, that's pretty cool too. I mean, there's so many different changes that happen throughout pregnancy. And, but the thing that I like is, you know, I used to be clinician working with clients and, but I, decided that I, and I love this, looking at blood work and helping and creating something to make practitioners be able to 
bring blood work into their practice and utilize it more with having to be an expert in it, but just quickly understanding where their, their clients values fall. And Sarah, this is what I love when Sarah would like has a client, a pregnant client and comes in and it looks at her blood work on the lab and everything's high and low and she's very anxious. And, and then Sarah puts it in my software and everything looks normal because everything gets adjusted to where it should be. And that relieves that anxiety in that, that woman. And that's what, what I love the best, you know, do, that's help brilliant. helping practice. Yeah. That's really brilliant. I love that, that application of all this research you've done. Um, that's, that's really beautiful. I would love to go a little bit into your history. Our viewers are almost exclusively providers or students. We have some parents and some doulas and some educators, obviously, but the bulk of our listeners are are midwives or about to be midwives. Um, And like, tell us, how did you get into it? Because like backstory is that lots of midwives want this data and none of them have the time to research it. (laughs) So I want to know like, how did you get into this research specifically for maternity care? Because that's such a niche place. Yeah. Well, before, could you help us even understand a little more how your practitioners that, that listen to the podcast and how they look at blood work and incorporate it into their practices today? Well, it's, it's kind of a hodgepodge. Um, I would say some of them were trained by uh, really critical thinking clinicians, and they got a lot of that in their training. Some of them went to schools that have high lab uh, skills and classes. Some of them did their own research. Some of them are multiple professions. So we have midwives who are also naturopathic physicians or midwives who are also nutritionists or, you know, things like that. But it's really a hodgepodge. And I would say um, because there's such variation, there's a lot of questioning in the midwifery world. It's like, am I right? Is this true? Because all these people say all these different things. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think yeah, it's it's huge. And yeah. that's why having someone who can cut through all the noise and get to these really research-based foundational knowledge as it applies to pregnancy is what's so exciting. That's why I wanted you on the podcast. Yeah. So, so tell us a little bit about your history and like what got you into answering these questions. Yeah, I'll start. Um, I actually got into the nutrition world because of my experience with pregnancy and birth. Um, so I had my son in late August of 2011. And uh, during my pregnancy, I chose to work with a team of uh, amazing midwives in Berkeley, California. I'm currently living in Tuscany, but that's a whole other story. I was actually a, a, a real minimalist with testing during my pregnancy and everything went fine, except I discovered late in the pregnancy that I had a full placenta previa and I needed a C-section. Whoa, that's a shock. Whoa. It, it was. Yeah. yeah. But um, I... It was, I never had the sense of, oh gosh, you know, this is so sad. I I knew all along that there was the possibility of doing the hospital transfer. And so many people put their expectation of working with home birth midwives on the home birth experience. But the work that I had done with Julie and Deborah was such that I, A, knew that this could happen. And B, I felt like none of the work that we did together was wasted in any way. I felt Amazing. incredibly supported. Deborah was right outside the operating room when I had my C-section. She was ready to get my placenta and she encapsulated it for me and everything. So it was a great experience in spite of, 
you know, the unexpected things that happened. It was during the postpartum period when I was at home with my son recovering from the C-section that I really realized how important the support during the postpartum period is and how important nutrition is during the stage. And I had been working as a lecturer at UC Berkeley teaching Italian language, literature, and culture. I had done my PhD there as well. I just decided I was going to completely change careers. And I I just wanted to change to functional nutrition and support people, particularly during preconception, pregnancy, and postpartum. Again, I had had no issues. Aside from the placenta, placenta previa, I had not had any issues with my fertility or any Which problems. Which is random. During, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, 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 totally. My experience just really inspired me to change careers and, and one strong piece that inspired my career change was the amazing experience that I had with the midwives I worked with. And, um, I mean, you might be wondering, why are you not a midwife? And that's a good question. question. (laughs) uh, I've always loved nutrition and herbs. I, I actually grew up here in the Tuscan countryside and I've, I've always been really curious about herbs and I, I was, uh, like a huge, mushroom nerd when I was a kid I, would, I knew all the all the properties of all the mushrooms that grew locally like if you could eat them or not and oh. uh and uh yeah so uh that's the direction that I went into and I specifically signed up for the training wanting to serve this population in my clinical practice I've I've ended up also doing it basically working under two umbrellas one of them is preconception pregnancy and postpartum and the other one is complex health issues just because I'm really good at the investigative and research parts, as well as individualizing yeah. Yeah. what I find to the the particular client that I'm working with. So I've worked with a lot of unique preconception, pregnancy, and postpartum clients as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I bet there are so many interesting cases out there. Yeah. Um, and uh, I love that you uh, narrowed in on this really important part of the process that is often overlooked. It's very cool. Yeah. And yeah. I love that you, you had midwives. That's very special. Yeah. How about you, Marianne? Tell us, how do you get into this? I mean, I don't have a, a cool story like uh, Sarah. I'm not in Italy. I mean, I, I'm in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> don't feel left out. <laughs> I'm Italian and I only know the swear word. So that. <laughs> But so I'm a, my background is, is more technical uh, engineer and and, uh, worked in the tech industry for 20 years. But my last job where I was traveling around the country, presenting to police departments and just eating bad, being very unhealthy. And, you know, it it caught up to me and, and I saw my family, what happened to my father and my grandmother with strokes. And, and so I just, picked up a book one day, started reading about nutrition and it like just blew me away. Like everything that's happening to me is because of what I'm eating. And, and, and so I just changed the way I ate really. And, and then the toxic things around me and changed my life, lost 50 pounds. And I'm like, people are like, what did you do? I'm like, I, you know, I don't know. I just learned all these things. And so I'm like, I got to leave this, my corp, this corporate job and go learn about nutrition formally and teach everybody else what I learned. And so I, I got into nutrition and, but I'm a techie nerd. So the favorite part, my, I love all of it, but I got into blood work. I don't know. I just, it's just so fascinating. And nobody ever teaches you any of that stuff. When you go to the doctor, like everything looks normal. You don't know what 
RBC and HGB, you know, no, none of that. And I'm like, why doesn't everybody know this? So I don't know. I just got so into it and started creating my own spreadsheet and automating it and working with clients. I'm like, I really should turn this into software. I think I could help more people, help more practitioners, help more clients that way. And so spent a lot of my retirement money and uh, hired a good um, developer and been working on this for five years or so. And so, but as during my research, I mean, I've taken like 10 different or more functional blood chemistry courses, you know, where these weekend seminars where the, you go and they teach you the physiology of the markers and what do these different patterns mean? And, but they never taught us really in any of them about the changes that happen during pregnancy, you know, and we didn't learn in any, any of that. And so when I started doing research and I started changing and researching uh, reference ranges for different uh, traits of, of a person. And I got, I, I would go deep into the software around red blood cells and anemia, but I don't. And so I'm a nutrition consultant and we're not, I know I made the software for those of us who are not allowed to diagnose and I stay away from that. We're just pointing out imbalances in the body to help you be more proactive with your clients before they fall outside of that lab range and become some disease that somebody can get a, you know, a, prescribe a drug for. We're just pointing out things. And then mm -hmm. I, so I learned all the different changes that happen around elevation and then in pregnancy around red blood cells and the hemodilution. And, you know, and I, don't, I just got so fascinated that into that. And then I started doing more research on the, the different markers and how they all change it. I mean, the coagulation markers in pregnancy go up, um, what else, you know, glu how glucose and insulin change, glucose goes up. I mean, all these different markers. Glucose change. goes down. <laughs> really? <laughs> there's so many. We get excited about this, right? Yeah, like we get excited it, and there, and there's so much to learn. It's almost endless. I would say you never, you never fully arrive, right? You, right. Um, you're always learning. Well, so, so Marianne, how does it work? Like if one of our listeners was like, oh, I want to, I want to apply this. I want to use this for my clients. How, how do they sign up? What is it? What is it? Yeah. What? So we, it's an online software. And so Sarah and I together though, through all of this research, we have created a, a course that we're giving out on all these different markers and how they change throughout pregnancy, the physiology and the ranges. And so you could see it, but then We'll uh, also, you know, as part of that, you could see, or right now, I mean, anybody can go to labsmarts.com yep. and try the software out for free. It's a web-based software you, where you add the client information, you identify what, you know, specific traits about them, and then yep. you your test results from LabCorp Quest, wherever, any, any PDF of test results, you enter that in the software, and then we plot those values on um, color-coded bar graphs with the optimal reference ranges in green and right. everything up by re uh, research in the bibliography. So you could see where we're getting the reference range for, for each. And, and then if you pick, you pick the, as you're setting up the client, you pick the different trimester if they're pregnant and we'll apply all those specific reference ranges. Even if you have a premenopausal woman and um, she, you have sex hormone markers, we, you can choose the correct menstrual phase and we'll apply the appropriate reference ranges for wow. that. So we try to make it easier for you to, to incorporate now blood work into your practice to even see, identify just different nutrient insufficiencies, you know, that could help your client. Um, even that's, before. that's great. Well, I, I always recommend that midwives, aside from the standard prenatal panel, you know, um, CBC and various, um, you know, STIs and rubella, things like that. I, I recommend that they add an A1C um, HbA1c as just a early pregnancy screen. I recommend they add a thyroid panel because you can just never be too sure about that. Yeah, I recommend yeah. they test a ferritin. 
Um, is there anything else that, that the whole you iron are- pan on there? Sorry to cut you off. When you talk about iron, I love iron. And I so I would do the whole iron panel. I, you know, iron in the serum, TIBC percent saturation, ferritin. And if you could, I would do copper and ceruloplasmin because if you don't have enough copper, you can't convert that iron into the proper form. Yeah, I love the whole panel as well. I agree yeah. with all of that, but unfortunately lots and lots of folks are low income and don't have insurance. And so the ferritin is the like lowest. Oh yeah denominator to say at least we have a window into this yeah what else do you recommend um in that like bare minimum screening everyone should get it definitely the the thyroid panel and the and a comprehensive metabolic panel now primary care physicians and obgyns are usually very amenable to running most of these markers and they and also vitamin D really really important. Yeah, we added vitamin D for sure, yeah. and I usually add a B twelve as well because I serve yeah. a lot of vegetarian. Yeah, like absolutely. Yeah. yeah, interesting, cool. Well, we're on the same page there. I love that. Um, I wonder if you could think out over all the labs that you've researched for all these different levels. Um, what laboratory value or disease process or like from a numbers perspective has been the most surprising or shocking or thing that you're like, I wish everybody knew this. I, I think really risk factors for, um, for thyroid, um, autoimmunity. I think that's the most important thing is just being aware, first of all, of what the correct ranges are by pregnancy trimester, because it's really hard to miss hypothyroidism if you're not looking at the proper reference ranges. And then a lot of people who are at higher risk for thyroid autoimmunity can fall through the cracks. And thyroid autoimmunity is a risk factor for postpartum depression. And obviously, you know, uh, postpartum thyroiditis and possibly, you know, some some people actually acquire Hashimoto's and, and have lifelong thyroid autoimmunity after birth. So the more we're able to identify those individuals who might be at greater risk, ideally even before they conceive and support their thyroid with the nutrients. There are really just a small handful of nutrients and we just talked about most of them. Mm. Vitamin D, selenium, vitamin B12, oh, I, iodine, obviously, <laughs> really important. Uh, you know, iodine is, is important to keep in mind. It has a tighter threshold than many nutrients. Uh, selenium does too, but most people are not going overboard on selenium. I have only seen one person in my entire career who's naturopathic doctor had recommended excessive doses of selenium to, but some people are taking way too much iodine and putting themselves at risk of thyroid autoimmunity because of too much iodine, but also too little is a risk factor for poor thyroid function. Additionally, you know, just supporting people's, uh, glutathione status, through mm-hmm. whole foods, there are so many whole foods that people can just put on their plate, like okra. <laughs> it's like you know something many people can grow in their gardens. I I grow it in in my uh, veggie garden every year. They don't sell it in Italy, <laughs> so I have to grow it. But in the U.S., it's, it's very, widely it's available. Easy, it's an easy keeper as long as you get enough yeah. sun. Easy grow. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So it's you know so many foods that that you can just get at the market um, or grow in your own garden are amazing for supporting thyroid health. It's just that we, many people don't know it. Like, you know, just even having a couple servings of fish a week uh, 
is is really supportive of good thyroid health selenium iodine omega-3 fatty acids and you know the other thing that i that that has been really compelling to me in the process both of the research and clinical practice is the importance of being aware of all kinds of different factors that affect people of color uh, during preconception pregnancy and postpartum understanding the impact of systemic racism on the quality of care that people receive based on their ethnicity is so important and the there are some studies that that i looked at regarding the direct and indirect impact of uh, systemic racism in maternity care and systemic racism in general on inflammation markers in pregnant women that then directly increase the risk factors for postpartum depression and anxiety. And this is really important because Black and and Latina women have 1.5 times more postpartum depression and anxiety than white women. And that should really give us Four times the higher rate of death during the birth process. Absolutely. It's- Systemic racism causing that inflammation is a part of the myocarditis inflammation, right? It's, it's massive. I'm so glad that that's a part of your research and a part of what you're sharing. Um, yeah. And it's shocking. It's completely shocking. Um, and it's so good that it's finally getting some airtime, you know, it's so good that we're yeah. finally paying attention to these inequities. How about you, Marianne? What, what's been, um, the most surprising to you in terms of the research or the numbers or like, what do you wish people knew? Hmm. I mean, even, even around the immune system and the neutrophils and how high they go, you know, throughout pregnancy, um, that it's just the, dra- the drastic changes in some of these markers that how high copper and, and ceruloplasmin go. And, and, you know, you want to, you know, I, I have an example that we're in the teachings that, you know, a, a six, a neutrophil count of, um, in normal pregnancy is high, but you know, in, in pregnancy, even in the third trimester, that's a little low. Like, so it's, it's just being aware of these drastic changes and you really can't keep up with the research and do it all on your own. There's so many changes to every different marker. And so, you know, I'm just here. That's where you guys come in, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so tell us about this course. We're going to be covering preconception, complete blood count, the comprehensive metabolic panel in two parts, and then postpartum and, and a unit on just on thyroid uh, from preconception through postpartum and lactation. So the goal is not just to talk about how the markers change and what markers to look at, but also to talk about practical solutions that can be applied in clinical practice. So for example, okay, you have a person who is at higher risk of thyroid autoimmunity, how do you monitor them and what do you do if, if their numbers are high? Yeah, that's so, where Sarah, you know, collaborating with Sarah, that's where she's the expert to, to come in and take, you know, the research that we've done and with the software and, and give you the ranges. But then what do you do with this information? And 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 I'm happy to have Sarah, to who's gone through a lot of these complex ACEs. And that's what she does. Not And she also mentors practitioners on how to do this sort of thing. That's awesome. Well, so do they have to sign up for the full six weeks or they can they pick and choose? Yeah, it's it's the whole six weeks. Um, mm-hmm. 
get the you, whole bunch. I, yeah, the way that we structured it, it didn't, we thought about it and it just didn't make sense to do just one yeah. part of it. One because, one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And are you offering any kind of continuing education units? So we are in the process of applying for okay. uh, CEUs. What do you think needs to shift? Like if we could pan way out and look at the 30,000 foot view of health education. And again, our audience are midwives. So there's a whole lot we need to do in physician world, but here in, in community-based midwifery world, um, what could we do to help folks move the needle and get more confident and more comfortable with lab evaluation? Obviously we have your course. They have this now, this online tool, but like from a big picture awareness, what do you guys envision is the solution to get this um, individualized evidence-based care for clients directly? I think that one of the most impactful ways of achieving that goal is to build collaboration um, uh, networks between midwives and other practitioners uh, so that there is as much communication and collaboration as possible, say, between the midwife and the uh, nutritional therapy practitioner, uh, the midwife and the OBGYN where applicable, the midwife and the acupuncturist or herbalist. Um, and some midwives are also herbalists. So, you know, it's, and and some midwives are, are actually, you know, uh, OBGYNs. Um, it's rare, but it does happen on occasion. So um, whenever the practitioners are, you just have one label. It's always really nice to have a, a network of other people. You don't have to do everything. It's really nice to be able to have a software that you can put the numbers into, but then it's really great to know who to send people to if they need help with a B12 deficiency on a vegetarian diet during pregnancy without going, you know, without feeling like they have to go beyond what their comfort level and ethics are. Um, because people's values are really important too. It's not just, oh, you have to eat this way and that's the only way. Yeah, I love that. Meeting people where they are. And I love your message to midwives. You don't have to do it all. You can rely on a team of, of a network in your community and we can mutually refer back and forth and support each other's um, you know, skill and scope and not go outside our scope. Yeah. I love one yeah. person- Midwifery Wisdom loves to collaborate with is Sarah Thompson from Functional Maternity. That's amazing. Yeah. She's amazing. Like yeah. brilliant, brilliant brain. Um, and, and she's doing much of the same, that education and that outreach um, and really changing, changing hearts and minds. Um, we hope to have you guys uh, more uh, collaborative with what we're doing because it's so important to get this information in front of folks. Um, if they wanted to follow you and reach out to you, work with you, how do they do that? Where where, where can we send folks? Um, Marianne, do you want to start? Oh, yeah. When they could go, if they want to try out the software, they go to labsmarts, L-A-B-S-M-A-R-T-S.com. And I have okay. uh, a practitioner and an individual button. And that individual button is, I mean, sometimes people come to me and want me, them to, me to look at their blood work. But I actually put that up there more for to show practitioners how they can 
incorporate the software. Even, you know, anybody now can sign up to order uh, blood tests through a company that has relationship with LabCorp and you can send your client to LabCorp to get blood drawn and set, use the combination of that. Or if you don't want to do that, take in whatever labs they have, use the software to add val like a value added service to your practice, you know, it, and a lot of times, you know, clients already have their blood work with them and we're just looking at it and spending time and not really recouping some of that value for that time. And so you could say, you know, now I have this software, give me your labs, I'll put it in uh, for this fee, you know, I'll give you this report, explain things to you and then recommend where you go next. So I'm trying to help practitioners figure out how to use this uh, and incorporate blood testing and interpretation as a value added service into their practice. So uh, they could go on on the site and, and schedule a meeting with me. We could talk more about that. I could show them how to set up testing, you know, if they want to incorporate that into their practice. Awesome. I love that. Wow. Yeah. What a resource. And for, for both of you, um, we're going to link all of your details. So Sarah, how can people follow you um, and, and learn more about your work? Yeah, I, I can be found online at buildnurturerestore.com. Um, and uh, on on there, you can click on either the four practitioners or four clients. And you can see, you can click on the blog post area. There are lots and lots of pregnancy and fertility and postpartum specific posts. Uh, there are also some posts that are more centered around complex chronic health conditions, you know, like bipolar disorder is one area that I've been uh, researching for my clients. Um, so lots of things can overlap, obviously, you know, with our pregnant populations. Um, and connective tissue disorders are also an area that I've been working with that can have a huge impact on the quality of life during pregnancy and postpartum, um, particularly, you know, those uh, patients who are hypermobile, who can have yeah. issues with their hypermobility increasing during pregnancy yeah. postpartum. Relaxin, that darn relaxin. I know, so and progesterone too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, EDS is um is thankfully getting more awareness and, but yeah, awesome. Well, what a resource you both are. I'm so excited to share this with our community and we can't wait to send traffic your way and hopefully find ways to collaborate. Thank you both for being here. Yes, thank, yeah, you. thank you so much for having us. Yeah, we really appreciate yeah. it. It's fun talking with you.